Hello everybody, this is Paul Miller, and you're listening to the Tuna Town Talks podcast, located in Venice, Louisiana, the fishing capital of the world. Alright guys, so I'm here today with uh, episode 4 of season 2, and I'm with um, Captain Patrick Ivey of Breathe Easy. I came down here to Orange Beach Marina to sit down with him and let him share some of his stories. Uh, Patrick's been a a captain here in the northern gulf for over 23 years uh some charter boat a lot of private boat a lot of tournament fishing but uh i'll let him tell us the rest um welcome patrick ivy say hey to everybody hey everybody good morning bud how are you paul (laughs) doing good doing good well um patrick why don't you go ahead and and get started and tell us like how you got into fishing and all together where your passion comes from and uh we'll take it from there oh wow uh let's see um, I've always had a passion for the outdoors when I was a kid uh, I wanted to be a professional bass fisherman I mean I'd sit outside in my yard and pitch you know rubber worms and jigs in the cups and all that and it's just what I wanted to do and uh, a buddy of mine had a I guess I was 12 or 13 he was on one of my little league baseball teams and uh, him and his father took me uh, snapper fishing amberjack fishing and you know went out there and stuff fought back and i was like wow this is where it's at you know i mean i had no idea you know being living that close to the coast I'm from daphne alabama which is on mobile bay you know 30 40 miles from the gulf but just had never been you know out in the gulf and uh going out there and doing that man it was awesome fish fought back and um I definitely see how, like, you know, a lot of people get their addiction the same way, you know. You start right. with bass fishing, and then you, you find out something else, and it's just like, golly, there's a whole right. other world. Yeah, a whole other world. And uh, <laughs> in high school, I played uh, football with a buddy of mine, and his dad was the manager at Zeke's Marina, and he got us summer jobs one year. Uh, I think I was 16 or 17 and started at Zeke's Marina on the dock and they were in the process of buying a headboat and needed mates on the headboat and that's kind of like your entry level position and uh he asked if any of us would be interested in you know being a deck can and i was like oh my god yeah absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. you're gonna pay me to go fishing now yeah absolutely <laughs> you know and man started on that and uh we called it the puke and tangle you know people puking and tangling i you know you didn't catch a whole lot of me caught fish but it was entry level anyway did that for a few months and kept my head down and nose clean and i got hired off of that onto a six-pack boat um worked on there for a guy named rick murdoch who was actually from lake charles louisiana he taught me a lot i mean a lot he was a hell of a fisherman um and then i just you know you progress to a multi-passenger boat and you know so on so on and wound up buying a charter boat and in 2008 i decided my charter days were done so how Uh, long did you own a charter boat for? i owned the charter boat from 2002 to 2009 uh great times great years owned a 53 foot harker's island called the intruder um fishing was you know really good it was a learning curve i mean i was you know the, the guy that another guy that taught me a lot was Joe Nash on the cool change I worked for him for several years and you know when I on the way out he would sleep or I would sleep and uh, once I got everything ready to go I would sleep on the way out until we got to where we were going and whatnot and then 
fish all day and on the way home he would take a nap because I mean we were fishing every day you know sometimes twice a day just non-stop and uh man I'd sit up there with a notebook and just anytime we run a spot over I'd write it down knowing I was going to be a boat captain one day finding fishing spots and he got you know he would keep the spots also that we found as long you know and as long as or he I could have the spots as long as I gave them to him too right, right. um so that helped me out a lot building my book before I ever owned a boat I was paying for reefs putting reefs out and all that and man we were you know bought the boat we were fairly successful pretty early went through Ivan and Katrina you know yeah. the first two years in business wow uh fuel prices went sky high um yeah that's one thing I haven't had to deal with since I've been in the charter game is the high gas prices right because I remember when I was real young you know 12 13 right. years old there it was four dollars a gallon. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of places, man. I can't imagine if it went like that. Uh, one of the one of the things that really helped us out in two thousand and five. I want to. Yeah, I want It was Katrina. Mm-hmm. Um, after Katrina, you know, there's we were shut down. There's nothing over here. No marinas left or anything like that for us to you know keep running charters out of. Uh, another guy that owned a boat. He's well known guy around here named. Uh, Brent Shaver, we call him Hollywood or Captain Bly, and he knew a guy. It's a neat little story I'm throwing in here while we're talking. Uh, he knew some guys that worked at CBS. Mm-hmm. Well, they wanted there was nowhere in Biloxi, which was Ground Zero for Katrina, for anybody to stay or anything. So they wanted us to bring our charter boats over there and house these news crews. Wow! So the day after Katrina. We get the call, and luckily they asked me to be a part of it, which was great because we had no other source of income at the time. So they call us, and they're like, hey, we need you to load up as much food, water, rations as possible and get to Biloxi as quick as possible. So on my boat, I had CBS Los Angeles, like the actual anchors of CBS Los Angeles. Uh, Jimmy Waller on the Big Adventure had CBS New York. And then Mike Rowell on the Annie Girl had CBS 60 Minutes. All these, most of these people you'll still see on TV. (coughs) So we go over there, and my mate at the time was Scooter Porto, who runs the Florida Lee now. Yeah. Um, Man, we go over there, and, you know, we're going through the Gulf and just coming across these giant islands of dead cows, lumber, trees. I mean, just rooftops. It was insane. We get to, to Dog Key Pass and there's no you know you can still ping the channel markers when you're right over this dark like it's black dark and this is two days after Katrina and man we're going in there and I mean you're just kind of like idling in there and we wound up staying at the Biloxi small boat harbor mm-hmm. and I mean there are zero lights it was the most eerie creepy thing ever but that that helped us you know get along, yeah, get along yeah. right for a while man I can't imagine seeing the coastline after man it was insane it I was bet, it man. was wild <laughs> uh but then, you know, as far as what got me out of charter fishing was, you know, the limits. You know, everything, you know, telling your, your customers, hey, I'm going to have to go up, you know, you know, 10% or 20% because of fuel. But you're going to only be able to catch half of what you used to catch because yeah. the limits and everything like that. And that's when I, you know, I looked at it from a consumer also because I, I go deer hunting out west. And, yeah. you know, if they told me that, I, you know, I could only hunt 500 acres instead of 5,000, and it was going to cost me 
you know, 20% more, I'd be like, well, man, I'm not interested. You know, it's just, it's yeah. just. So. Yeah, and I think that's where the aspect for the consumers is, a, like, because I'm a charter captain. So, like, right. I think that you got to try to, you know, there's so many different audiences. There's people that will charter a boat and not even right. keep a fish. And then there's people, that, there's people that are coming and that they're not going to be happy unless their right. freezers are full. And I think if you can kind of have a mixture of the two, right. that's what I try and to do, you know. Like, let's eat a little bit of fish yeah. at night. But let's not fill your freezer because right. that's not really all sustainable that's do is for ruin all of us. and yeah. And that's back then it was we called them gars, you know. Like mm-hmm. we had people showed up with just coolers and trailers, you know. I yeah, mean, we were yeah. catching, you know, six to eight hundred pounds on a ten or twelve hour trip, you know. Right. And now that's not. That's what you know. I talked to Clayton about it, and he said it's a whole. You know, those people stopped coming. A lot yeah, of they, them would stop yeah, coming, but there's a whole another group of people that'll still come to do right. that. So yep. it's it's, it's kind of a weird thing for yeah. sure. <laughs> and we were our own worst enemy as far as, you know, putting fish in those boxes. So it yeah, was yeah. Uh but you know, the private oral man, it's been awesome. It's great. I wish I'd have known about it at a younger age in my life. I've been married since two thousand and four, no, two thousand two. Mm-hmm. Been married nineteen years, whatever that comes to. Sorry, honey. <laughs> uh but I wish I'd have known about the, the whole the private world earlier when i was younger which i was very young when i got started but do you think so or do you think you'd get more reps as doing what like kind of earning your way kind of learning more on a charter boat maybe the charter you you know your best fishermen come off a charter boat hands down there's no no other way about it you look at the top crews in the gulf of mexico and they all have a charter background the captain and the mate that's you know the things you learn on a charter boat you can't be taught anywhere else yeah. you know i mean that's just where the best fishermen come from um but to be able to go to like costa rica or panama or do the travel yeah at a young cape verde or somewhere like saying, that yeah. you know where you can have a life and be with you know have a family and everything later down the road because i don't want to be away from my wife and kids now you know i see what you're uh, saying there's a big part of me that wanted to do that as well right and once i felt like once i bought my boat and stuff and you got a car note and yeah it's like a little bit harder to like right leave, like just leave and live that right. lifestyle you see a lot of these guys in the private industry live man they, they yeah. live like rock stars on other people's dimes and it's they do uh, it's and, really cool and if you're you know if you're not a family person that's a great a great gig you know i have a lot of good buddies that fish in costa rica for a living mm-hmm. you know but they you can't have a family you know but right, you are right. putting a lot of money away because when you're down there you're on their dime you know your food lodging everything's paid for i mean you're right, out of the right. country it's right you know that's as long as them. you're semi-responsible yeah <laughs> right yeah there's a lot of ways you can burn through some money down there <laughs> no doubt no doubt and so um so you've been in the private industry since 2009 right 2009 i took a job on a 56 foot ocean called the quick time um man we had a lot of you know success on there um boat was a little outdated compared to a lot of the other guys you know um we were a 27 knot boat and back then a 30 knot boat was a, a real fast boat so we had the speed we didn't have a lot of range i mean we had a you know 150 to 180 miles one way was i mean that was max you know right, I mean, right. you were you were pushing it um only carried a thousand gallons of fuel boat was great trolling boat it would call them up i mean we caught a lot you know not near what we catch now but back in the trolling days um it, we were pretty successful not 
per se blue marlin fishing which we but we you know we caught a lot of meat fish nice tunas dolphins wahoos you know when you're trolling you're doing yeah. it's totally different fishing than live bait which is what we do now um when did that when did that shift happen because like a lot of the listeners aren't going to really realize that there was a big shift that people started learning better ways to catch the these things 2012 to 2015 is when it really really grabbed right. a hold and and really become super popular um, we wound up putting some tuna tubes on that ocean but my boss put them on the transom like outside the boat like bolted them to the transom mm. right above the exhaust so middle of the summertime when you put a tuna in it's there hot. you're pretty much boiling in back there you know so we couldn't keep bait alive um there's a whole learning aspect to that just keeping oh, your bait it's, alive you know, is it's I, like a it's a how to catch bait you know times of the day you know bait is the key to live baiting you know whether you're you know how to catch it when to catch it where to catch it how to keep it alive how to keep it alive how um, to handle it you just yeah how to handle it how to how to you bridle know, the best it way to bridle it, it. <laughs> um you know i mean there's so many things to the bait that's crazy but the you could bait, write a book about you that, could write literally. a book and that is the key to live baiting though i mean the easy part's putting the bait out there and getting a bite it's the rest of that you know bait's really easy to get at night most of the time um you know in the daytime it can be tough and that's who's everybody's getting pretty good at it but that's what'll separate you from right. other people is being able to catch bait right if anytime you need it if you pull up to a, a rig and nobody has any bait and you have six tunas in right. your tubes i mean that's yeah just, you're looking good <laughs> right yeah, you're looking good yep. that's for sure uh but the quick time man we did a lot of cobia fish and we were really really successful at the cobia fishing you know sight fishing this time of year in april uh but that fishery is pretty much null and void we don't you know there's there used to be a tournament every weekend from like March 25th or from this weekend from yeah, yeah today till the end of April and I think there's two cobia tournaments left it's just not very right you know we used to see 30 40 fish a day 20 fish a day to you think that's all due to pressure do you think it's water conditions or I think it's a lot of things man um commercially fishing cobia I mean that's got to stop in my opinion you mm -hmm. know the commercial fishing yeah. that's just anything that's commercially fished is suffered over over times you know look at snapper you look at redfish before it you know mm -hmm. before they before they shut it. it down and now look at redfish i mean they're probably one of the yeah. most abundant fish around um you know that's that's the main thing and it's something i think so much about um you know and one of the things that i think is like whenever you put money behind something as a motive it's it, <laughs> it's not going to end well, you know. It's, they do all the catch shares stuff. I watched a whole documentary about that, yeah. man, and it's it's really sick the way that people, you know, because a lot of the people that are doing all the work, like the shrimpers and the, and the people that are actually catching these fish, they're not even the ones making all the money off of it. Right, and, it, and, and those guys, you know, and I don't mean this cliche-ish, but, you know, when I was charter fishing, man, I paid a lot of attention, went to all the Gulf Council meetings, and, you know, you see some of these commercial fishermen, um, and they're not the most appealing looking people i mean they're mm -hmm. rough rough people you know they're right they work hard they work hard you know they don't look like they you know i don't i'm trying to say this without hurting feelings by or anything but 
they just look rough, you know, and you wouldn't think they had a whole lot of sense. And, man, those guys really knew what they were doing with the whole IFQ thing for snapper fishing. I yeah. mean, they really – they've been documented things for a long time and played dumb and protected their resource, you know, and that's why they got the majority of the snipers nowadays. Those guys are super intelligent. They may not look like it, but they're <laughs> – don't sell those guys short. They're super – I think, I, I don't know, man, I, I really think the only way to fix some of this is to abolish the commercial fishing. And, like, I don't, like, to, the way I see it, like, I shouldn't be able to eat king crab down here. Just like I don't think somebody in Chicago should be able to eat a red snapper. I think that if you if you Localize it, your resource. Right. So, like, what, like if you want to be a commercial fisherman, great. But you can't keep any more fish than I can. Right. I 100%. And then, like, you have to develop these relationships with the restaurants locally. And what that would do is skyrocket the cost of fish. And right. you would start utilizing a lot more of the fish as well. Also, what I, what I think that would do is if, um, you know, people could sell these fish locally and they would have... Uh, less commercial fishing and fish going all over the country i think that the fish would be all, all of the fish would be utilized like you see so much especially in venice marina i don't know if you've ever been standing around but there's so much waste between the collars of the fish the backbone all that stuff should be getting used right and i think that you know that it sounds like it's it's a solution that probably won't ever happen right because there's so much money involved and it's it's kind of like one of those fairy tale but, but it's, what, it's the only thing that can actually work right us as fishermen have always tried to figure out ways to make our resource i guess a little more useful and you know better for all of or locally you know mm-hmm. yeah. um, and especially you know which you know y'all get all the tuna fish you want down there you get all the speckled trout and redfish um and you have to pay, which y'all catch it just like we catch things here. But to people who don't have a boat, it should be cheaper to buy that product here than it should be in New York or Colorado. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, oh, why do you sit down in a sushi bar and your sushi's coming from the East Coast? Right. Why? Right. Why is that? Why is that more profitable? You know, plenty of tuna fish right out here. You know, <laughs> it's kind of it's it, it really is strange the way that that works for sure. I don't know. I just I just feel like uh, the locals care about the fishery more, as opposed to just money getting involved. And uh, you'd see more like you were talking about like uh, th- things that y'all have done to try and you know better the fishery that we already right. have. Self policing and, and whatnot. Not only that, but uh, artificial reefs. Right. <clears throat> I think that 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 makes fish. You oh, know, right. it, there's no doubt about it. It makes fish. And you know, Destin, and I guess over to the east of y'all here a little bit, they they started making the the, the fads out there, mm-hmm. and I think that those make fish as well. <clears throat> Absolutely, there's been some pretty good success on those already. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And then the ones like over in uh, Costa Rica, man, you hear the <laughs> numbers that you start hearing from them, like you talk to the older guys that used to go down there back in the day compared to now. I mean, it's better. That's what they say. It's oh yeah, better. 100%. You know what I mean? So. It's really a, it's an interesting concept that you can actually make more habitat for these fish, for sure. Um, but I guess uh, past uh, past that, um, <clears throat> tell us some of your stories, uh, you know, maybe some big wins, maybe some stories oh, you might want to share with us. Um, I guess one of the coolest, you know, one of my fish I'm probably one of the most proud of is uh, in 2004, um, 
my wife graduated from college, and I gave her the Ladies' Day Tournament, uh, the Mobile Big Game Club Ladies' Day Tournament right here at Orange Beach as her uh, graduation present. And I told her she could bring um, her whoever she wanted. So she brought um, three or four of her friends and their husbands. We had a great time. Weather couldn't have been, you know, more perfect. It was it was awesome. Uh, slick, calm. Uh, first morning we started, uh, I didn't quite make it. We started about to have wasn't real fast, so we were <laughs> headed towards Horn Mountain. Didn't quite make it there and found some big old patches of grass, caught some dolphins and wahoos. Went to Horn Mountain, watched a buddy of mine catch a blue marlin, and then we headed east towards a double nipple. And uh, could see some giant, it wasn't a rip, but just giant patches of grass up there. And like I said, there were dolphin and wahoos everywhere. And we're about, I don't know, a quarter mile from one of these patches of grass. And uh, like I said, slick, mirror calm. And, you know, you hear the rigor pop and look back and I mean there's just a giant hole in the water you know didn't see the fish or nothing like that we're like holy smokes you know but one thing does that and uh kept going a little bit trying to get the fish back up you know knew it was a blue marlin and uh I stayed straight for you know several hundred yards never could get the fish up I went into a turn and the fish come up on the inside of the turn and you know the lures in the rigger we got the lure back in the rigger and it's in a turn but it's not doing a whole lot because it's on the inside of the turn you know and fish charges up there i mean she's lit up you know knew it was a nice fish you know not how you know knew it was big enough to keep back then you could kill him in the ladies tournament mm -hmm. and uh fish comes up there charges misses it comes back up here and of course i'm straightening out now to get the lure back popping and working and my deck hand, she runs up there one time, mouth wide open, and he just free spools it, and the lure disappears. And uh, <laughs> we were game on after that, and fought the fish for. Uh, and it and they, my wife and them were on a rotation, and it happened to be her turn in the chair, which was great. So she got in the chair, and we were down and dirty for two or three hours, and uh, had to fish on the wire pretty quick. Uh, you know, within 20, 30 minutes, couldn't do anything with it, and then fish you know took a bunch of line like half a spool off of 80 wide or more and died and it took us like six hours to winch it up you know so we fought the fish for nine hours basically she sat in the chair and never got out fish weighed 592 pounds which was really big back then wow. you know i mean there wasn't a whole lot of that's a you know, giant that yeah. now <laughs> i mean i take it every day you know now but i mean it was really nice back then uh, and so she won first place. We won, you know, first, that was first blue marlin I killed as a boat captain. Really? Uh, so that wow. was pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, but that's one of my favorite stories. Um, you know, I guess. I, did y'all win that time? We did. We won. We won actually first place tag and re or first place kill and second place tag and release. We wound up catching uh, one another fish. Um, and then I, I think we placed with a dolphin or a wahoo, but back there wasn't no, you know, I think we won like 13 grand, you know, there wasn't no money right, in it back right then. Money. I got some money in it now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, one of the, I guess one of the, a couple of real cool fish, you know, uh, the first fish I caught on the Breathe Easy, um, these guys. Just real quick, guys, that's the boat we're on right now, and that is the boat you've been the captain of for the last five years? Five years, years yeah. Right? Um, the first year we had, the, the first, you know, they've had, he's had a boat um, 
I don't know how long Matt's had a boat. Matt and I actually went to high school together. My current boss, he was a senior when I was a freshman. Really? I've known him, you know, my whole life. We just never That's pretty cool. <laughs> worked together. I mean, I, you know, uh, we have a great relationship. Matt's a super nice guy, great That's guy. Awesome. But it, we're buddies, but it's also, you know, you Business, have to keep yeah. the professional relationship as well. You know, employee-employee. You got to know that you got a job. Yeah, to there's do. boundaries, but Matt treats you like family. You know, That's I mean, awesome, he's, yeah. he's awesome. I, he'd have to, I'd never, you know, I got one of the best jobs in Orange Beach. I mean, it's awesome. Um, but they weren't serious tournament competitors when we started i mean they they enjoyed the tournament fishing but they enjoyed the you know the socialism aspect of it you know and when we started talking about coming to work um you know i was i was like look man i you know i we can go play fishing and have fun all you want but we go tournament fishing i'm i'm i want to win i'm i'm business you know i want to be successful um, which is a lot of extra money for me and my crew if we win. You know, that's a big deal to, it's a bonus, to us. Right. right. Gives you something to strive for, right? right? So the first year, uh, hadn't been on the boat long, and we did the ladies' tournament. And I was like, Matt, you know, let me, you know, let me bring my guys. And he was like, No, nah, we got guys. I know what they're doing. You know, blah blah blah. And it's like, All right, you know. So we go out there in the first morning. We're live baiting, and the fish, you know, comes up and and bites and you know you're holding it in free spool and this guy wigs out and the reel just bird backlash is so bad you know i'm like oh my gosh you know and i'm now i'm firewalled in reverse rods doubled over no line coming off of it just ding 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 you know popping couldn't Jesus. keep up bust the fish off fish comes up jumps it's about a 500 pounder i'm like man that you know it's like we ain't gonna get a whole lot of opportunities we got to make them count you know and i wasn't mad or anything like that but it shows him that they quite didn't know you know what they, what they were doing they right were doing. <laughs> so he bought in and the next year you know we started out with a with a crew and man the first tournament first bait in the water that morning first bite we hooked one that was 574 and catch it and ever since then they had bought in you know head <laughs> over heels and you got us, them hooked yeah, huh? let us do it our way which it, it may not be the right way but it's it's the way the way that we've been yeah. successful you know i mean every boat does things different you know yeah. everybody has their own niche or you know whatever they do um and then that you know we kept the ball rolling that year and won the triple crown which was really special uh, in the that's first awesome, year man. and they've been man he's i mean that's they're competitive now they don't you know they cut back on the drinking some they were they're younger guys. They like to party and have a good time. But now they want to be successful. They want to win. You know, it's it's a competition now. It's not just a social event to them, too. Right. Uh, and you can have fun and be very successful. We had a great time. You know I, mean? I mean, if you're going to have a captain and crew and all that, you might as well have a good one. Right. No <laughs> doubt about it. That's the way I see it. you got to have that. If you have a boat like this, and right. honestly, you gotta you got to have a crew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that summer there were – I'll go through two stories with you. We were fishing the Mississippi Gulf Coast Billfish Classic out of Biloxi. And, uh... Yeah, I can move it out in four and a half inches. That's fine. That's fine? Yep. Okay. Uh, and we had killed a fish in the first two tournaments. So, and Matt had not killed one, though. Matt's my boss, Matt McDonald. Uh, and he was wanting to catch one big enough to kill. So, first afternoon, we 
we left and we were headed towards Greens Canyon and man everywhere we stopped it was sharked up I mean we caught 10 sharks that first afternoon and anytime you get a bite you got to treat it like it's the right bite mm -hmm. until you laid eyes on it and know what you're looking at every bite's a blue morning and uh man he was wore out we didn't never caught a fish that afternoon so the next morning we started uh you know i can't it's crazy they were down there by holstein there were two drill ships side by side like 500 yards apart like you could live bait both of them both at the same them, time yeah. man first bait in the water you know shark you know it's like god dog you know it's gonna be miserable for him you know uh we caught like a 40 pound yellowfin and we bridled him and put him out which is really big it's a really big bait so we got three baits out we're you know going along and nick knoffline was my mate at the time and he's like man i can't hold this thing anymore he's like it's digging hard and you know a huge bait i mean it's people pay to catch 40 pound yellowfin <laughs> sometimes you know it's a giant bait. and uh he's like man i can't hold it and you know and we'd had the bait out for 10 or 15 minutes you know and like man let it you know let it go see what happens he's like man i'm bit i'm pretty sure i'm bit you know but couldn't really tell it wasn't a super aggressive bite or anything like that you know like you think on a a big bait like that mm -hmm. so i mean we feed i mean we feed it to death you know like if it's gonna eat it we might as well yeah, feed, feed it, it. yeah know, that's a let big it, bait right. let it get it in there <laughs> so we feed it and finally decide to come tight and uh man it does nothing the rod just bows up and just starts like creeping drag i mean you can hear the clicks on the drag you know tick 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 you know just like a shark would do you're like man god dog it you know here we go again so we're kind of backing down on it just creeping back just not letting it get real far if it is a shark or whatnot and man fish comes up and just kind of like rolls on its side like a porpoise and I mean, I don't know what kind of language we can use on here, but when it did that, I went, holy shit. <laughs> like, oh my God, that's the biggest blue marlin I've ever seen. <laughs> a and big old lazy son I of mean, a bitch, yeah, huh? just like, like, I mean, it could have, you know, took 700 yards of drag in no time, you know? I mean, we were calling it 800 right then. Fish did that, and then you know i don't know what happened i don't know if the like the bait was stuck in her throat or something she was choking and it kind of popped out but she started dumping us and come out there and jump probably two three hundred yards from the boat and you can just see that yellow fin you know she comes up and Throwing shakes her head out. you can see the yellow fin just fly out of her mouth and our hearts just oh the hook went too huh? oh yeah sunk you know we lost her we're like oh my oh. gosh you know just <laughs> devastated biggest blue marlin i'd ever seen with my you know my eyes you know we called it 800 wow so fish around there a little while never get another bite we go we stay down there all day no we go to the far east side of greens canyon and we lost another fish we thought was a keeper we called it 500 back then it was like 103 inches or something like that to keep yeah. it lost that fish and uh, you know now we're just heartbroken. I mean, super heartbroken. Now you're two like, big oh, misses, yeah, two, right. two fish on circle hooks. You lost them both. Wound up going to, uh, you know, I mean, it's been I can't remember where we were. Go to another rig, lose another one. It almost jumps into one of the voodoo boats. Actually, it was Eddie Bur. Uh, is it Eddie Burger? 
Mm-hmm. What's Eddie's name? Do you know? Eddie Berger, yeah. Yeah, runs one of the voodoo boats? No, he doesn't. He runs his own. He knows uh, Venice, uh, Fish Venice Charters. Okay. Well, maybe it was him. A- anyway, almost jumps into his boat. You know, I mean, there was a bunch of guys around there, you know. Right, right. Which is a good sign. You know, there's some tuna fish around. And where there's tuna fish, there's blue marlin. Lose that fish, you know. It's like, man, and now it's almost time to go. Like, it's real close. So... We run into another rig. I think it was a West Vale up in there. Just so, what y'all are like, oh for four at this point? Yeah, we're like, well, we've caught one. We're like one for five, but we're oh for three on keepers. Like oh for three on On fish. We could have took to the dock, right? To weigh, you know, which is, I mean, that's what you want to do, right? Right. Yeah, to hang one up. Right. So we go to the West Vale, which at the time was like west northwest of the thunder horse and the work of arts there he's been there trolling boat you know i mean we're just kind of trying to fish as long as possible working our way home giving ourselves a chance and we go up there and we put them out and i mean we got like 10 or 15 minutes left till absolute drop dead time we have to go or we're not going to make it back whether we have a fish or not and we get a bite and you know fish is out there jumping going you know crazy and we're like man that one's close you know that one's gonna be right, right there you know mm-hmm. it's gonna be right there and get the fish up there and we try to measure it in the water i mean we're trying to hurry i mean we're pe- boats are running by us on the way home like we're you were at drop dead last minute last minute and uh you know, can't get a good measurement on there, and we're like, man, I'm like, pull it in the boat. It doesn't matter anyway because we don't have enough. It, it, we, you know, you pull it in the boat, you're DQ'd from tag and release, but we wouldn't have mattered tag and release anyway. So we pull it in the boat to get a good measurement on the kill side, and it's right there. Right man, at 100 inches? It was like 10, man, I can't remember what it was back then, maybe 105, 105 or something, something like that. that. They jumped the size up every year, and uh, it was like, a half inch you know big enough so like all right let's go you know so lost all them fish caught the smallest one of the four keepers we had on which matt caught it so that was great got in there and we finished in fourth or fifth place blue marlin but we were the top money winner from the way we bet so oh hell yeah so that's where it really (laughs) matters you know trophies are trophies but we you know it's all about those checks, you know, getting a happy Gilmore check. <laughs> but it was a bittersweet right, right. weekend through all the adversity. You probably would have won fish. it all the way. Oh, man, if we'd have caught any of the other ones, you know, we'd have been really, really good. Wow. But it was, you know, it's just devastating. You know, everybody's out there, you know, you, nobody's really talking. Everybody's quiet. So that story leads to the next story. So you go from Biloxi, then we have an off week, or we used to, and then we go to Emerald Coast. Mm-hmm. Emerald Coast, Blue Marlin Classic out of Destin. So leave on Emerald Coast, slick mirror calm. I'm talking like bathtub calm. What year is this? This would have been 2016, the year we did win the Triple Crown. And we're headed, I don't know where we started that afternoon. I think we called a Blue Marlin. And then I wanted to start at the Titan the next morning. Mm-hmm. So we go to the Titan and cannot make bait. Like, impossible to catch bait, which is usually not a good sign. So just west of the Titan at the time was either the Poseidon, 
which is a drill ship, or the deep water Proteus. One of the two was west of the Titan about three or four miles. So we run over there and catch bait, and it's easy, like super easy, you know. Man, I'm like, well, damn, you know, do I stay here where mm-hmm. the bait is, or do I go over there where there's no bait, you know, and, and try it? And I don't know what made me decide to go back to the Titan. That's what I was about to ask you, because, like, sometimes it's just like an intuition, yeah, a feeling. Man, it I just, don't... something just told me to go back to the Titan. And I don't know if, you know... There was nobody down there anywhere, so right. we had everything to ourselves. So it's not like, wouldn't you say the textbook decision would be to say stay where the bait is? Right? Absolutely. I mean, but at the same time, all right, if the sign, if everything looks good here, and there is no bait, seems like you might be able to get a bite. Right. If you quicker. have some but, bait, right? Man, it's it's all about you know your gut feeling because, man, I pulled up the rigs and there wasn't no bait, and I just like leave you know without hesitation leave and like i said i don't know why i decided to go back over i guess because that was my game plan that's where i wanted to go it looked good everything that i like to look for on hilton's and everything was lined up there so we go over there got a you know got a rack full of live baits put you know put two baits out instantly we get bit jump the fish off you know 200 250 pounds all right you know you hate to do that but no big deal you know we were, you know, you're look. You always want to win everything, tag and release, but we're 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 hunting kill fish. I mean, that's just kind of our mantra, you know. We're we're looking for a big fish. Um, pull back up there, you know, about where we were getting the where we got that bite, and here comes a free swimmer swimming by. So it's six thirty in the morning. We've jumped one off. There's a free swimmer, and got three baits out. We, you know try to keep one big bait out usually early in the morning then two regular size baits fish come never saw the fish fish comes up eats a rigger you know takes a bunch of line get down and tight get on it and get pretty close to the fish and you know look down there and it's hard to see because the glare and fish is just paddling away like you know just nothing to it we finally get a good look at it and i'm like holy shit boys that's that's the one that's the one like that's what dreams are made of right there i mean that's that's it you know and at the time you know slick mirror calm and you're looking in the water everything looks big big it was just like the one two weeks before i was like man she's i think she's over 800 i you know to be honest she could be bigger than that you know because it was so calm and you could see so good and you i mean water was so clear just to find how deep it was and like holy crap we had a fairly good angler in the chair chad postel who was a old he used to be a deckhand on a charter boat um fought the fish for two hours you know and i mean fish never pulled a bunch of lines she was choking on the bait uh fish kind of really rolled probably didn't have to gaffer i mean she's choking she's dying she rolls up after two hours and we did gaffer but uh get her in the boat man and i mean we were all ecstatic like you know that that just won us a triple crown holy smokes we're going to the house it's over boys this is it's wrapped up you know you catch 800 pounder it's it's done it's done you know it's over you know (laughs) so we're fired up celebrating we call everybody tell them we're coming home fish is 123 inches you know with fork you know short or lower jaw fork tail big girth i mean she's thick all the way through 
so we get in weigh the fish up and i mean everybody you know everybody's like man y'all got this wrapped up they weigh it this is emerald coast Emerald this is a big, big yeah deal. i mean this is one of the <laughs> cream of the crop this uh-huh. is one of the big ones you know the big three weigh it it's 835.4 i think's what wow. it was. so man we're all fired up we're already drinking having a good time and uh we get a phone call um from somebody and saying the rise up uh, Captain Jason Allmark, who is a great friend of mine, has a 125-incher on the deck. Oh, so we're your like, fucking heart sink. We're <laughs> like, man, we, you know, we ain't even got time to celebrate this thing, you know. And I'm like, all right, 125, 123, you know, fish are built just like people, short and fat, long and skinny. You don't know what it is, you know. So we're all trying to find out, you know, oh, man, how? what's the girth? What's this? What's that? So, uh... <laughs> So I tell everybody, I was like, man, y'all couldn't have waited till tomorrow to tell us. Y'all couldn't have let us enjoy <laughs> yeah, the night, man. Just let, let us, us just live it for yeah, a little man, don't bit. don't ruin this moment for us. So. Ruin my hangover. Yeah. Don't ruin my party. Right. <laughs> so anyway, they get in the next day. We, we stayed in. We didn't go back out because it's Emerald Coast is a long ways from, yeah, there's no way, from really man. rigs, you know. So it's a long run. We did, couldn't just – you got 800 pounds. You're, you're going to win some money. I mean, right. it, it's not – you know, if you're going to win, it's how much you're going to win. So, Jason and them back in, you know, during the main weigh-in on Saturday, and I'm great friends with them. I go down into the weigh dock and watch them weigh in, and it's 837.3. They beat us by 2.4 pounds. Oh, my God. Here's the kicker. Their fish, they caught at the rig where we lost what we called an 800-pounder two weeks earlier during Mississippi Gulf Coast Bill This story you just told us. Yes. They caught that fish at the same rig where we lost the giant two weeks earlier. Now, to say, do I believe it was the same fish? 100% I think it is. There's not that many giants, 800-pounders swimming around. But to think that if that was the same fish, that that fish was hooked twice in two weeks... And beat us by 2.4 pounds an 800 pounder we caught is some serious, I guess karma. I mean, I live a you know I'm a yeah. pretty good guy, but it was like you got to be kidding me. When he told me where he caught it, I was like, man, you got to be kidding me. There's no. He's like, man, I swear. Like, <laughs> I was like, there's no possible way. So I, that's my opinion. That's a do pretty I, cool story though. I, but y'all, y'all got second place by two point second place with an 835 pounder. Golly, man, that is that is a crazy story. Yep. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine that. Like, I think I said this story once before. I went down to this King Mackerel tournament, and they had like second place with a seventy-seven pound oh, King Mackerel. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's like it's like, like story gut, like that. It's, yeah, it's, it's tough it's, to deal with. But you know, I mean, I think I think we've caught. I may be wrong. I think that fish. Like, Jason's was the eighth largest blue marlin ever caught in the Gulf, and ours is the ninth. But just to be in the top ten of that's pretty catching, cool, man. you know, uh, some of the biggest blue marlin caught in the Gulf. And, man, I mean, an 800-pounder, that's – you're in a – that's – you know, granders are all around. the You know, you catch – and there's granders. There's been two granders caught in the Gulf or three, two for sure. Yeah. Um, man, you get 800 pounds or better in the Gulf. That's a giant, you know, so – yeah, we were super awesome excited fish. with for Jason. We all we took pictures together, holding our checks, and him holding up a one, us holding up a two. Yeah, you just gotta yeah. take it, you know, take it. 
Man, that's such and a just be a, happy you're in the conversation. You know what I mean? And we're just proud to be there and lucky to have what we had. Yeah, and that's such a, a huge testament to how good the fishermen have gotten. I mean, Man, you there's guys, some awesome guys in the Northern Gulf. I mean, it really is. I mean, that, like to be able to catch two of those fish in one in one tournament and yeah. and. I don't know, man. That some of the fishermen that I see and the, some of the techniques and the ideas that some of these fishermen come up with are yeah. incredible. And, you know, technology's had a lot to do with a lot of it now with the sonars. And back then, those were, you know, those weren't sonar fish. Um, you yeah, know, talk about are, the sonar a little bit, man. That stuff's really interesting man, to me, and a lot of people don't even know about it. So. Sonar's a game changer. Um, you know, it was – we bought this boat in March of last year. We didn't get it to the States. Boat was in Cabo. And, mm-hmm. of course, COVID hit. We almost got trapped in Mexico with the boat from COVID. Like, I'm afraid we wouldn't make it back home almost. Um, got the boat here and tried to get the and as much work. I mean, the boat's a 2018, uh, 2018-72-foot Viking convertible. Didn't need a bunch of work by no means, but changing the name out adding some more tuna tubes because in Cabo they don't they don't lie bait fish you know it's all right, it's all lures know, lures and you know deep ballyhoos and stuff so getting it ready for the Gulf for us and uh we missed a couple of the tournaments so we didn't get here till Biloxi the Mississippi Gulf Coast Billfish Classic I mean we came straight from South Florida you know we got it off the ship like May the 15th mm-hmm. and went to Viking South got as much work as we could get done and then hauled ass to like straight from Viking South to uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast Billfish Classic so you know didn't even get to come home or nothing Um, never used the sonar before Uh, played around with it down there in Cabo a little bit it's it's takes some getting used to and I'm not very good with it there's a lot of guys out here that have had it longer than me that do you actually do it, or do you guys have, like, a no, dedicated person? Yeah. You I'm, do it all? The, yeah. So you're driving in using the sonar? Yeah, you know, you time. hear people, you don't want to be buried in this thing all day. It's not, you You have to watch it, but you don't have to bury yourself Bury yourself in it. I mean, it's pretty obvious when what you're looking for shows <laughs> up, you know. Um, now, it would be cool to have somebody up there maybe, but, yeah, you know. I mean, I, I, mean, I can tell you, like, from charter fishing for tuna, Whenever we mark a marlin, marlin, that's a very different... It's a distinctive it's mark. It's a very distinctive right. mark. I mean, we don't mark them nearly as much as you guys do because right. you can point them and everything, but yeah. it's there. <laughs> right. It's there. You know what you're looking at. You know, yeah. the tunnels will be up and down on it. You mm-hmm. know, they'll come and go, but, you know... Marlin's the sta- straight yeah, and steady. It'll fill up the whole screen. It, it It's an elongated, banana-looking mark. I mean, there's no doubt what you're looking at, you know, and I'm not good enough. You hear people, you know, use... You hear people talking about, oh, you know, that's a big one by looking at the mark. It's hard to really say. Yeah, maybe they can. I don't know. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, you get a lot of people say a lot of stuff that's not true or not believable. Uh, But the fact that you can mark it and it may not be, you know, you wouldn't have put a bait in front of it without marking it. You know what I mean? Because it may be off the right, you know, off your starboard side 800 feet and you wouldn't have gone over there right unless you mark this you know and then you it's neat man you you know so i mean you don't have to disclose any information that you don't want to of course but like do you guys actually follow these fish around or do you kind of mark it and you just know to stay there a little longer i have not had the scenario where i've had to follow one 
Mm-hmm. So last year's first year I've had it. Oh, okay. man, I've watched. I watched Chase Lake on the uh, on the Team Supreme two years ago during the Blue Marlin Grand Championship. We were down at Atlantis in Greens Canyon, and I watched him follow a fish off for three and a half or four miles before he ever got bit from it. And it was, it's, he said it was a keeper. I mean, you know, now why he's doing that? We had already caught a couple of fish there, and. I was by myself and a couple other boats showed up and like I said he followed that fish off and while he was there messing with that fish I wound up getting bit again and killed that fish it was 598 I think one second place in the Blue Mono Grand Championship with it um, and that was before I had a sonar but watching them guys follow fish off it was neat but I have not had a fish that I had to follow a long time to get a bite out of Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, not to say it won't happen, but yes, you can follow a fish. Yeah, as it's, long as he stays in a relatively crazy. yeah depth that you know a relative depth that you can mark, you could follow him as far as you wanted. So are marlin kind of like tuna? Like I've tuna fished a lot, and like typically, if we mark fish that are deeper than three hundred feet or deeper, even deeper than two hundred feet, sometimes they're not typically feeding. No. Do you guys feel the same way about marlin? Yeah, and I'm not, you know, and everybody's different. I'm just telling you what I do. I don't mm-hmm. look that deep, you know. I'm you not, don't look that deep. Right, that's what a lot be, of us do, yeah. 300 would be max on the bottom end of yeah. my, my scale, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking from top to 200 feet, you know, zero to 200 feet. You know, yeah. most of your fish you're going to mark are going to be 150 to 200 feet, blue marlin-wise. Yeah. Um, and man, uh, that's no secret on the sonar. Everybody's now. There's different settings and things you can do. I still have mine on a setting that my electronics guy put it on. Um, I'm gonna have another guy come and show me some other settings, and you know. But it's one of the things you got to use. It's it's a game changer, man. You see a fish over there, and you get to it or try to get to it, and man, it'll. Sometimes, like whenever we're tuning fishing, like we'll mark some deep or whatever, and we'll put, we'll tie on a weight with a rubber band, right, and and drop it down there. Have you, have you guys ever like if you marking a deeper fish, would you ever send a, send a tuna deeper, or do you guys just trust that they're going to come up if they're going to eat? Usually, they're gonna if they're hungry, they're going to come up and eat. And we have a couple of methods that I really yeah I understand. I understand. As far as that, I don't want to go into or not, you know, not. Yeah, I, I get I'm it, sure man. It's I get stuff it. Stuff everybody does. But, I get it. I get it. One hundred percent. There was. I'm, I'm walking a real fine line right oh, now. I know, I get I know, this I conversation. Know. So right, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's there's ways to do it and ways you know. Yeah, yeah. That we've been successful with stuff like you that. You get innovative as a fisherman. You Absolutely. To, you know, any, you anybody gotta, should. You, you know, sometimes you got to make things happen. You know, if you don't want to bite, sometimes <laughs> you got to try to make them bite, you know. That is so true. That's so true, man. Like, I mean, if they're not, if you if you know they're there, you can keep trying different right. things until something something hits the mark. <laughs> but, um, man, is there, what's your, uh, I'm sure, you know, you guys over here in 40, I'll catch a lot of big cobia. What's your biggest cobia? You got any big cobia 92. stories? 92. Mm-hmm. That's a strong one. That was a good one. Uh, man, about, I don't know, I feel like I've seen, two for sure, maybe three over 100 pounds. You know, the 100 the pounder, the late 90s and early 2000s, 
man, it was, they were catching 100 pounders left and right. I mean, a lot. Um, we don't see them hardly anymore. Um, the last great big one we saw was on the quick time, probably in 2013 or 14. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I have, we had a great Cobia team. I mean, we were, we won the Cobia Cup one year. I mean, we won a lot of money Cobia fishing. Um, Scooter, fun fishing. Man. Oh, yeah, it is. Scooter Porto that runs the Florida Lee now. Back then he was on the Real Addiction. Uh, he was fishing with me. Um, my mate that was on the quick time, uh, Tommy Frutiker at one time, Jason Watts, um, Rustin Rude that fished with Clate. He would, you know, not many people Kobe have fished mm-hmm. back, you know, back then, or not many private boats. Right. Um, so Rustin Rude would go with me, but we had a really good crew, and we had a word on our boat. It was slaunch. Like that slaunch, we had a slaunch. You had a slaunchzilla. Uh, slaunch a lot of us but if you said slaunch like you couldn't be kidding around like it was <laughs> game time like it was that means his big ass is here everybody you know pay attention get ready man it's one of them days it was kind of like a three foot ground swell perfect out of the southeast no chop on it but you want a little chop because it makes it easier to see but you could see forever man and we're headed east you know and the fish are swimming from east to west anywhere from up on the beach to three or four miles off the beach once you find a line where they're at you know you just kind of stay on it and figure it out but man we're headed east and man i look up there and i'm like it's a slaunch i'm serious it's a slaunch and uh they all look up and they're like holy shit man it looks like a 747 i mean pecked out just <laughs> wallering down this Mowing wave it, huh? you know just barely moving coming straight ice i mean i pulled it out of gear and I turn inshore a little bit, you know, to keep the fish on the right where Scooter's got a really good shot. And, I mean, we're just waiting on this fish. I mean, it's coming just just like you want. You're pretty much dead still. There's no panic. You're in no rush. Fish gets close, and Scooter fires down there. And, I mean, nobody said anything after I said slotch, and everybody went, oh, crap, you know. I mean, it's quiet. Everybody got serious. Yeah. And uh, he fires down there, and, you know, threw a jig at him? No, we're live bait. Oh, threw a live, live bait. eel. A jig's to either to get the fish close enough to throw a eel on it or a fin bait, but you know you really don't want to. I just always said the same thing, man. Know, I don't, I don't know why people like Kobe fishing with the jig. Love jigs, but I want a circle hook in that fish. Absolutely, you know, a jig with three, four ounces of lead on the front of it on the uh, hook any is day of the week. It's Absolutely, a big yeah. so. Uh, fish white belly stands on its head and we're like oh son it's on you know when they white belly and stand on their head they're eating we're like holy smokes you know and now you're up there i'm starting to shake like getting nervous <laughs> i mean it was scooter will tell you and rust and all them it's, if it wasn't a hundred or more it was so it, it would scared the hell out of it i mean it was biggest it was giant fish peels off a bunch of drag and uh my boss's nephew, who is a pretty good angler, he's on it. Fish is, you know, pretty much sitting on the bottom at about a 45-degree angle. It's not up on top, kind of like what you want. I mean, it's down on bottom, just not, you know, pulling a bunch of drag, but it's bulldog. And we've had it on 10 minutes, you know. Once you feel like you're down and tight and have it on for a few minutes, 
you feel pretty confident, you know. Right. That you know, you just gotta you wait it the out and you're gonna catch you're good, him. Yeah. Right. Man, and all of a sudden the just rod pops up and just pulled the hook somehow after like ten or fifteen minutes. We were heartbroken. I mean, like devastated. I can't imagine, man. That's the biggest one I've ever had a hook in. I've seen a couple that wouldn't eat or that I think were ninety five plus, you know, that, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, caught a pile of 80s, only one in the 90s, um, a bunch of 80s, and I don't know how many 70s and 60s. I mean, wow. You know, Y'all caught to... some big ones, man. I haven't, I've never caught, I mean, I think my biggest is 76 or something right. like that. And that, like, I haven't caught anything close to, man, I think I'm I mean, at one other you know, 60. Doing it, you know, we're here where, yeah, you know, where they're coming through, where they used to come through. Um, yeah. And you, you know, like there'd be days we'd go by, you know, see a 40, 50 pounder. We wouldn't throw at it, you know, because wow. we needed bigger fish, you know, for to, for an aggregate, you know. Right, right. Which could be a tournament service, either a three or four fish aggregate and then single largest fish. So, and you could only weigh, you have to think about it. Some tournaments you could only weigh like five fish through the whole tournament. Some tournaments it didn't matter. So if you caught 12 keepers, you know that were big enough right. they had to be like 44 inches or 40 44 45 inches or 45 pounds to weigh you caught a bunch of them you had to really think about which ones you wanted to weigh because you could only weigh so many right right so you had to think about over a two or three day period right you don't want to be wasting right. your now if you caught three or four keepers in a three or four day period you're you probably need you're, to keep you're them. yeah you're you're <laughs> gonna probably win some money you know it's tough, man. The Kobe, and that was one of my favorite things to do, man. The sight fishing for Kobe was awesome. That's what everybody. I hear a lot of the guys. I, I take a lot of charters from guys from the Panhandle, right. and I hear them talk about that all the time, man. As, as how much it used to be. Yeah, and, and it's that, just you know. tough to even want to go anymore. Like I said, that was my favorite thing, that blue marlin fishing. But you know, we used to could go when we were charter fishing. You know, you run a six hour, leave at six o'clock, back by noon, clean your fish, grab a burger get a 12 pack and go get on the boat and go from you know 1 30 to 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon and catch 4 or 5 you know with no problem I mean you wow they were everywhere you know and I guess you know like I said like we talked about earlier commercial fish and I think the Mako sharks have a lot to do with it because you used to never see the Makos up here let's talk about that a little bit um as far as sharks go do you feel like there's more sharks now than what there used to be there is a huge problem with sharks in the Gulf of Mexico like an unprecedented problem. Yeah, I I, I I agree. And from talking to, I don't know, man, I'm 25 years old. But whenever I sit down and talk with some guys that are much older than me and they tell me how much worse the sharks oh. are now than what they used to be. Um, man, man, it's unreal. Like it's a, you talk about a pandemic, that's a pandemic. I mean, it's bad. Yeah. It's. And you know what the, 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 the crazy part about it is there's far more shark conservationist than there are true conservationists right and like there's this i don't know i don't know where i I think where it comes from is all the people after jaws they went out and killed all these sharks and then there's a whole backlash from that with people that think we need to protect all these sharks which is probably true in other places of the world i'm sure there's shark depletions in different places yeah but to manage anything whether it's a deer herd um you know a fishery whatever management you have to to harvest animals to manage animals you mm-hmm. know whether it's fish or deer or birds or whatever you know when they 
you know, shut down those japs from, you know, long lining and shark fishing in the Gulf, that's when it exploded. You know, now there's nobody in here getting yeah. all the shark fins and things like that. I mean, they got a free buffet out here. It's yeah. You can't bottom fish a day out in the Gulf and not catch a shark or get eight off five or six times. I mean, yeah. and it used to be charter fishing where we're fishing every day for 150 days, you know, a year. One every couple of weeks you would catch or see, you know, and now it's every day. I mean, right. it's, it's... And that's what I mean whenever I say true conservation is because... To to have be believe in like true conservation, you can't really believe in conservation of one species. I don't care if you're talking about sharks or dolphins, but right. with sharks, I mean that's like just saying within the woods, let's just bring back wolves and bears, right, and nothing else, right. You know what I mean? It just doesn't yeah, make any sense. Yeah, if you let them go un unmanaged, they're gonna run wild and eat everything. Right. You know, you have to take some of them out of the herd to keep the herd managed. Right. And with sharks, man, it's they are wreaking havoc in the Gulf of Mexico right now. I right. mean, from 10 feet of water to 10,000 feet of water, you cannot get away from sharks out there. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It is, it is crazy. And there was a podcast called Connected by Water on the East Coast, and they were talking about it. And some of the guys brought up the point that maybe it's because of the mismanagement of other species like red snapper and among other things that you have like you have these giant influxes because like you have a snapper season right so you have this influx of food that creates a environment for sharks to get more and more right and and so what you have is an imbalanced ecosystem is what's happening and uh i don't know it's 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 fun to talk about, but the real solutions. Are <laughs> yeah, the real solutions to let those Asians back in here and yeah, get yeah. after them. I mean, I, you know, and and I'm or maybe about, some shark tournaments. Yeah, I'm I mean, I, I'm not a. I, I think you could get a lot of people behind that from oh. up north and stuff Ooh. to do some shark yeah. tournaments. I mean, I know a lot of local fishermen and stuff probably wouldn't get off to it that much, but you talking about a do a, it <laughs> a boost to your economy though. People will. You know, the same way charter fishing. You could have a a 500-pound blue marlin laying on the deck with a unicorn stuck out of his head and rainbow fins laying on the dock, and they will step over that and run to a 50-pound shark at the end of the dock. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's just the way it works. That's the way it works. And people want to see a shark. And if you, you know, you have these big weigh-ins like you do for a blue marlin tournament for a shark tournament, People will do it, Ooh. man. You would make a lot of money, yeah. and and if and we if, need it, <laughs> if you can get past the the tree huggers and the threats and all that. From, but it's all fake, man. All I, that, I agree, it's fake. but people are so worried about you know having a bad rep or a bad you know oh god yeah. uh, you know the shark lovers anonymous club is you know sending us letters you yeah. know yeah, who yeah people got to quit worrying about other people yeah <laughs> people are compassionate but i mean we got to have common sense too you know yeah um you know it, it, a big shark tournament you probably make a bunch of money with it no doubt man i think i i, I think if we have tournaments for everything else or we're taking everything else in a, in a different sense yeah. like why not yeah you know why couldn't saying? you have a man-eater tournament you know right, what i mean exactly. this thing eats you know you know one sharks a lot of sharks main diet especially tiger sharks is sea turtles right you know, you go to posting, you know, let's help save the turtles by having a shark tournament. There's, you know, that's a way to 
justify it. You know, I mean, there's so many ways, you know. There, yeah, there's so many examples of that too. And then, like, there over, I was listening to a, a, a an inshore guide in off the west coast of Florida, and he thinks that the manatees are eating all the grass beds, and it's affecting the trout populations right. there. And it's like, <laughs> it's it's very similar to what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and, and every every fisherman has a reason why they're fishery may be booming or may be re, you know recessing like, like the the trout fishermen over there the are we're blaming and he could very well be right manatees are eating the grass i'd say viable right option because them grass beds are a huge ecosystem for every for habitat for yeah. you know from the ground up um you know just like the sharks here or you know whatever so right. The best way to get information on any fishery is ask the local fishermen. Right, absolutely. They have more knowledge, and they're there every day looking at it, fishing it. And, and, you know, the whole thing with the sniper years ago, we were telling them, look, there's no issue with sniper. I mean, there's plenty of them. I don't know any fisherman that would want to wipe out his – red snapper stock or any stock that he may be whether you're a trout fisherman a blue marlin fisherman tarpon fisherman whatever nobody's gonna overfit that that does it for a living is gonna overfish or potentially kill off their living you know what right, i mean exactly ask these you know the fisheries the you know nymphs and noah and you know the Gulf talk to the and all fishermen, that. Talk yeah. to the fishermen. You know, they would listen to us, but they never took anything we said. Right. They just don't. Just one it, ear it, out the other. They're premeditated. They like, to take the, they like to take the science over what the fishermen said, right. which I agree. A lot of the science you have to listen to, but there's got to be a way that you can combine the two because right. they want to sit there and keep telling us how many fish are out there. They have no they, idea. They, they don't have a clue. Talk about and, people that have never seen the Gulf of Mexico or even but, been in the Gulf of Mexico. But they try less. to put the amount of fish into an equation right. to where, like, oh, we know that there's this many fish, From so we're going to give... a study at a charter marine in a boat launch three days of <laughs> summer. That ain't really how you come up with... I, I don't think anybody should try and guess how many fish are out there. No. I think we shouldn't just... We should just not take too much. Right. And that's... <laughs> and and that, I think that's happening more now than ever. Now that, you know, all the gars are gone and the, you know, cooler fillers and stuff like that, people are... It's changing. Yeah, they it's, it's cool. more tourists it's and change. just want to have a good time. And now we're getting out of our own way as far as, man, I was guilty. If I went out there charter fishing, I wanted to be, I wanted my box full. I wanted to come back to the dock, beat my chest, and like, look at me. Look at all these fish, you know. I mean, that's just right how we are you but know? man like uh, like it takes guys like you among other people to you know tell some of the people that are getting into it that like yeah i did this right. this isn't the way though right. you know what i mean and, and like everybody's done it anybody that's fished they've all killed too much and it's like you know and i'm not this is no you know no negative towards anybody um to me one of the you know your podcast is tuna town podcast you know tuna fish and i would say more of the guys here guilty you know and i've been guilty of it too especially when i was lump fishing years ago with the midnight lump you got there and catch you know five guys 15 tunas or something you know half that goes to waste you know i wish 
you know, there's some boats around here that are super bad about, you know, catching everyone they kill. You know, just because you can catch it, which, like I said, I, you know, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody by no means. We kill a blue marlin every once in a while if it's big enough. You, you know, most of them are cut loose, but it's just like running catch and release sniper trips catch enough to eat and then you know just because you catch a tuna or a everybody's gonna keep a wahoo we're all gonna do that pretty much because they're good eating <laughs> but you know what i mean it's letting things go sometimes to help the stock out in the futures whether it's right you know cobias which i'm all about letting them go right now because yeah. they're suffering you know till we get that stock built back up you know mm-hmm. um which and y'all are better at it than anybody y'all see what's out there and i'm not saying you know mm-hmm. any of the guys in venice or uh, well, but, I, but there's some guys here mm-hmm. i know that you're like man why any hell you know do you need you got and there's some charter boat guys around here that get mad at us for for using black fins for baits you know, oh, y'all are killing all my black fins. It's like, okay, you know, that's fine, that's viable, all right. But, you know, they'll come in off overnighter and have a whole dock full. Yeah, have 10 or 12 yellow fins and then have a cart or two of black fins slam up to the, you know, the top of the cart. It's like, well. I'm taking all my bait. Yeah, well, why are you killing my bait when you got yellow? What do you need black fins when you got a cart, two carts for the yellow, yellow yeah. fins, you know? Yeah. So everybody, you know, it's we all want to point blame everywhere, you know, as far as any kind of fishery. We all yeah just have to manage our fishery better, just like we talked about us being right. We're all out there, you know what I mean? Right. As a captain, what I've tried to do is like I always you know, people come to a captain or a charter boat or even in the private industry and people don't always know what they want. Right. You know, they want to have a good time, but they don't really know what that is right. whenever they come with yeah, you. Yeah. So as long as you're having a good time and you're liking it, then, like, right. you can get people to come back and do that kind of thing. Right. Like, like a lot of my trips are bull red fishing, right. and I don't keep any of them. You right. know what I mean? And I do keep a lot of fish. I keep fish every day if my people want them. Right. 100%. And, I, you know, and I think there's a somewhat of a balance there right. to try to get those people that you want coming back you just hit the nail on the head too <laughs> you know people that get on the boat or whatever i want to catch something big all right you know you go right. make one spot and they catch a seven pound red snapper <laughs> and they are wigging out like absolutely <laughs> freaking out how you know oh my god this thing's huge you're like okay well amp them up i amp them up oh yeah for sure but <laughs> You said, you know, you're in your head, you're thinking, well, they said something big. Big to them and big to us is a relative term. Right. So, like you said, until you know what those people are looking for, you know, we're, we're, you know, guilty of of trying, you know, when they said something big, I'm thinking, all right, well, damn, big, what do I got to catch? Yeah. You know, I need a 30-pound gag or a, you know, a 50-pound amberjack or something to make this dude happy, and it's... Right. It was a it was a five to seven pound snapper. Who right. knew? You know? Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, was, it, I, would, it, I would start asking to find big. Well, I mean, what talk to me? Like what this? Are we, call, or are we yeah, talking about this? What we call it big here? You know. You've been a captain for a long time, and you know what it takes to win. Obviously, um, you guys have won a lot, and. Uh, I know one thing that takes to win is a team. So why don't you go tell us about your team, the dynamic? It's definitely a team effort. You know, 
Uh, I'm only as good as my mates, and my mates are only as good as me, you know. Um, my job's to find the fish, their job's to catch them once we get there. Um, and if I don't have the right guys down there, you know, then I'm not going to be successful, and vice versa for them, you know. It's not, you know, just a, you know, captains don't need to just look for mates, but mates need to look for the right captains also, you know what I mean? I've never heard anybody say that, but um, you're, I, I, mean, I think you, that all the time. Yeah, know? I mean, you, you you know, there's a lot of, there's a, a ton of captains, you know, and you can work for a guy that's not very successful or, you know, fishing may not just be what he's good at, you know. I mean, there's all kinds of boat captains. You got guys that are good at fishing, guys that are good at, you know, just keeping, you know, the boat up or the maintenance part or whatever, you know. Um, I feel like I'm pretty decent at all of them. Um, but my guys, uh, Corey Hurst, who's from Dustin, Florida, he's been with me for, uh, I think this year will be three years. Um, great, great, great guy. Um, phenomenal fisherman. Um, very good on the boat. Very good with systems. He's been a a boat captain himself. Um, he ran a a '63. I can't remember. It was a custom boat called the Misbehaving. Been to the DR on it. You know um, that boat. Just you know, bad luck for him. It you know just went under. Mm-hmm. Um, was that year. boat down in Costa Rica for a little while? He wasn't on it in Costa Rica. I, I, there's probably several misbehavings. It was like okay, a light yeah, green so I colored. I was um, thinking that too because I fished on a misbehaving down okay. in Costa Rica for a day. Uh, man, I can't remember what kind of boat that was. Pretty boat. I mean, it, a Mark Willis. It was a '63 or a '60, a '60 or '63 Mark Willis. It was pretty boat. Wow, that's um, but that guy decided to get out of it, and that's when I heard Corey. Um, like I said, man, he's a great fisherman. He's from Dustin, Florida. Grew up charter fishing. His dad's a commercial snapper fisherman. Right. Um, it's cool that he knows both roles, right? <laughs> right. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's a huge help as far as the boat. And he, when he got off the 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 misbehaving, he actually, I'm sorry, he didn't come to us. He ran a, a brand new '68 Viking for some people. Their first boat ever. Uh, it was a twenty. 18 I think or 2017 mm-hmm. brand new Corey went through the build process so got to go to the factory and go through all the systems up there with everybody uh, so Corey really knew more about this boat or knows more about this boat mechanically as far as the system works goes than I do really? because he come from the factory and mm-hmm. you know went through the process with the build and all that so he helps me out tremendously on this boat um and you know the boat we had before this boat was a 2009 so all the the systems are different with the central seawater system um right you know the closed loop ac system everything's different than the old boat so he helps me out a lot on this very he's pretty good mechanically keeps the boat you know immaculate um case brundage is our second mate case started last year in august man super good kid i say kid he's 21 i'm 42 so he's a kid to me (laughs) uh man he's a pier rat you know grew up on the pier he's from evergreen alabama uh moved to destin when he was a younger kid but grew up on the pier um he's a He's a very good fisherman. He's a sponge. He soaks it up. Sounds like he's in a good uh, spot, man. Brown, he is. The two you know, of you I, guys. You know, man. we know Corey is um, 
you know, every every mate's goal is to, to be become the next a captain, one, yeah. be the next guy, you know. Um, so, we, you know, Corey makes we, – we take care of Corey very well, we feel like, um, and he has a full-time second mate, so that's a lot less on him. <clears throat> Um, I don't know why that is every mates. I mean, I guess I've seen I've seen a few I've seen a few that are like really happy and content being yeah. in the cockpit. No, there's lifers that don't want the stress of you know the captain. It's a not, different job. Not that it's, it's stressful, but I mean they don't want the everyday. You know what people don't realize. You know, for my boss, and every job's different. I mean, I'm the one that sends off all our deposits to tournaments, books all our slips. All the you know all the paperwork on this boat I do you know whether it's insurance EPIRBs, life rafts I mean fishing licenses stuff, yeah. everything I take care of on here and every boat's different you know some people use their secret their boss's secretary for all that on here I have quite a bit of paperwork to do on this boat um, and it, it's just part of it you know so just it's, a different job being a you're captain, right you're you know. right um, you know and then you got to think about the everyday rigors of the job you know getting the boat ready what needs to be done what doesn't need to be done my mates are really good about keeping the boat clean and the upkeep you know um and we have a we have a system on here you know um during when it's not tournament season when we wash the boat i'll do the bridge i do the rest um and i take care of the inside you know during tournament season when we're going from place to place um, you know, you're never coming home. So we'll leave. The first two tournaments are here, but they're back-to-back. So say first tournament starts on Thursday. We fish Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, we're back in Saturday night. We start cleaning up Sunday. We wa- They'll wash the boat, and I'll do the inside. Um, I mean, you got to gather up all the laundry, trash, sheets, pillowcases. you got to get all that done. And then... You got to get all that put back together by, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday because you have people back in town for the next tournament on Thursday. So I mean, it's you know we're nonstop that time of year. So everybody has their place, and not just you know on the boat when we're at the dock, but you know when we're offshore, we all have a role, we all have a job. Um, yeah. Boats are so much different now, you know, and so much bigger. Um, you know, we wear a lot of headsets when we're fishing where we don't have to yell and you know we can talk over the headset they can hear me right. from up on the bridge you know and you know let me know what's going on I can let them know what's going on um, you know there's, there's uh, the fishing's it's complicated you know uh, as far as everybody has a role even my boss and his friends he brings you know when we get a fish on everybody goes to to do their job you know we got two people on the chair my mates are clearing lines and right and getting ready for what's fixing to happen whether we got to gap this fish or we're going to tag it or whatever you got to have somebody you know, on the video right we got stuff. two people video and that way you know we make sure we get video i feel like that's a minimum video. <laughs> and really there's more but there's you know we got one guy on a like a at any given time we probably have three or four gopros and one vhf camera you know like I said, I carry three mates, um, and Ryan Fields is my third mate. He has a regular job Monday through Friday, but he fishes 90% of the tournaments with us. Yeah. And Ryan has been fishing with me for, man, um, since probably 2005, so 15, yeah. 16 years. Known him since high school. I used to be best friends with his brother. Um, great guy. He, you know, he's... 
he's not as skilled in the knot tie. I mean, he just doesn't do it for a living. But when I need somebody to gaff something, right, he can get it done. Right, there ain't I have. I mean, I ain't worried about it getting done. He hooks fish for us. I mean, he's great at all that. I mean, he's he just not here on the everyday, you know, duties and chores. But then maybe that's what you want. You don't want somebody sticking their nose in all your knots and everything. No, I mean, <laughs> they don't I, necessarily well, no, know. But it, you, know. <laughs> you know, you want the same people every tournament. You don't want to be bringing yeah, because then different you become people a... and random people showing everybody, you know. Like I said, not that we do anything different than anybody else that we know of, but if we do, we don't want all that. Yeah, all that going elsewhere. Right, you know, and... It doesn't have to be a community effort right, to kill these. Right, right. You know, we try to keep everything to ourselves, you know. and um, I think that's how you get better, too. You know, absolutely. You, you, get, you get a lot better through and keep we'll, doing you it know, with people. Me and Corey and Case, man, we'll sit around here and brainstorm in downtime, you know, about, hey, what, you know, what do you think about this? What can we do, you know? What about, you know, this? What, you know? Yeah. Always looking for new bait rigs or what, something to catch bait or whatnot. You telling me all that, one of the I think I'm most jealous of your your twenty one year old mate. What'd you say his name was? Case. Case. Yep. He 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 doesn't realize I, I don't think I did whenever I was twenty one, but like how crucial those moments are whenever you're just then getting into it right. and get the the amount of people that he's right. got to look up to. I he, mean between your mate that's been with you for fifteen plus years. Right. And, Oh, uh, man, he's yourself. a good kid. You know, he's got he's <laughs> ate up with the fish and loves it. Um, and man, he if he's I don't want to say years beyond his time. You know, yeah, it's hard to find mates anymore. You know, there's yeah. just not a lot of kids growing up fishing. They don't want to work anymore. Man, Case works his tail off, never complains. Um, really he's got cool. a bright future. You know, in this, and so does Corey. Yeah. Um, and if Case just you know keeps you know yeah. you got to realize too is like as a as a as, if you're a mate looking for a captain you want to look for somebody that you want to look up to that's right. what i've always and, said and i hope they do you know i mean that's i always looked up to anybody i worked for um, yeah that's who you learn the most from and we have fun you. together i think we do we play it you know play around you know we yeah you know i let them do their own thing you know they stayed extra late last night and watched the boat uh, we had to do a quick haul out yesterday. They hauled me out and put me right back in the water yesterday. And my daughter had a softball game, so they washed the boat so they didn't have to come back over here today, which I have no problem with. You know, I let them do their own thing. Um, That's cool. Kind of let them take it how they right. want to take it, right? But there's a role in every, you know, every situation, whether you got a fish on or you don't. You know, I mean, it's a they're good about, you know, coming in, you know, which my boss and them are too now that we finally got them trained up. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know, putting their can beer cans away and, you know, keeping the boat clean while we're fishing. But, our, you know, our yeah. ultimate goal is fishing, and my boss knows that, so they help out a lot with that. But I guess know. that's the same thing for a captain, too, is finding the right boss. Right. That's, that's well, 100%, thing, you know, and you got to find guys that you can be around, you know, as much as we're on this boat, you know. Yeah. I mean, 72-foot boat's a big boat, but it's, you know, when you're – you know, we're fixing to go to the Keys for a month, so we'll be on there. As soon as we get back, we go straight to tournament season yeah. I mean, every weekend for about eight to ten weeks. So we don't, you know, we don't get to spend the night in our own bed Yeah. for the next, you know, April, May, June, and most of July. So four months, man, we don't, you know, we're not at home Yeah. 
15 nights, you know, out of that, that yeah. five weeks or whatnot. But, uh, no, finding the right fit, I guess, of anything. I think that's what I was going to say is I think the main thing is, too, is like a, a lot of fishermen, but more so captains, they can't really fake who they are. You know what I mean? In a sense, like, there's a lot of people. There's a that, lot of them that are faking their way through this, you know, I mean, without a doubt. Um, I don't know. I feel like when I meet captains, a lot of times you can kind of get a sense of who they are pretty quick. Um, I don't know if it's just, that's just being around enough charter captains right. or whatever, but like, I mean, you could fake it, but it ain't going to last. No, no. I mean, you know, your fishing's ultimately what yeah. shows who's faking and who's making, you know, who's making. That so, is true. Um, but man, it, you know, just like I told Case, man, just keep your head clean, stay out of trouble, you know, at 21 years old, you know, you can get to these tournaments, you know, and it's not as wild as it used to be, you know, 15 years ago, yeah, man, the things you'd see at these tournaments were uh, I was pretty listening. racy and raunchy and insane, <laughs> and now it's, yeah, it's a lot cleaner, which is a lot better, you know, for families and stuff like that, and yeah, wives and all that, but uh. I was listening to a podcast with Skip Smith on the oh, yeah. on the uh, what, what was it the Hooker Madam yep, Hooker Madam the Hooker, and uh, that's what he said. Back in the day, whenever oh. they did it, he said, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of options if you wanted good fishermen. So these guys could live like rock stars yep. and do whatever the hell they wanted Man, on their on their was... boss's dime. But now you got all these people, and they everybody's always out to get in the next job. Right. And there's enough of them now to where right. you, you kind of got to mind your business. Yeah, now you know. People are more worried about their image and things. So owners, yeah, you know, like, like I tell my guys, we represent Matt McDonald and the Breathe Easy. Yeah. So man, it's okay to have a drink. It's as long as you don't get out of control and show your ass and, you know, <laughs> running up and down the dock naked at three in the morning or you know whatever, starting fights or whatever. You know. And now there's pictures and video. Of oh yeah, it's not it. like you can hide anything anymore. You know. <laughs> Uh, well, who did this? Uh, I don't know. Well, here's a video of him. It sure looks like you, you know. It's going to get more and more yeah. like that. Oh, but, man, it used to be crazy at them tournaments from, man, I don't, is this PG or? No, no. Oh, dude, hookers, uncensored. drugs. I mean, I've seen stuff on the back of boats that was uh, <laughs> with females and lures. and. Oh, boy. Oh, dude, it was crazy. I've heard some of those stories, like the Grand Isle Tarpon. Oh, yeah, rodeo. it's a lot of like the Tarpon, the rodeo <laughs> stories, man. It's It used to be, man, when the the first time I ever went to Port East, we're getting off the rails again. Uh, I was fishing Alabama Deep Sea Fishing Rodeo on a, like a 48-foot hatters. This I was young. I was like 20 years old. Thought it was the greatest thing ever. A guy bought a boat and actually owned a charter boat. But we went over there and uh, – I didn't, I didn't know, you know, anything back then as far as what was going on, but it was uh, the New Orleans Big Game Ladies' Day Tournament. And we pulled in there, and there was just, you know, back then it was all, you know, 50-foot or 60-foot or would have been giant, but just wall-to-wall gold reels, you know. and Right, right. Women everywhere. I mean, you saw a couple topless people running around, and I'll never forget. I don't – you may you probably don't remember. It's a boat called the – the Rainmaker, or the guy named Pee Wee Reese owned it. Uh, it was a like a seventy foot Choi Lee or something like that. Man, he had women all. I probably shouldn't say names. Of course, he has <laughs> passed away now, unfortunately. I mean, that's been a long time ago. But 
man, it was wild just seeing that stuff. I mean, and, you know, it's like holy. It's like smokes. a meeting ground for money, women. Oh and man, it was everything insane. Else. You know, it was wild, but it it used to be pretty. Yeah, pretty wild. You can, I don't think it's ever going to go back to the way it was. Man. I know, no. I mean, there's, I mean, it seems like you know, as time goes on, we get safer and safer. We don't like. Oh, I even look at some of the things I did when I was younger. Oh, I'm only 25. Yeah, you don't want your kids doing those no, same things. It, so it's you know, like I, a, I don't know if it's safer. And I, you know, I'm I've been married 20 years, but you know, you can't get away with what you used to could. You know. <laughs> You know, there's cameras everywhere. Every one of these boats has a camera. I'm looking at one right yeah, now. Yeah, right there in the cockpit, looking at the cockpit the whole time. You could get on it, Bluetooth, and watch. Or, yeah. You know, everybody's <laughs> got security cameras. And, you know, like Orange Beach, you got these uh, eagle's nest and the osprey nest. They got cameras looking all around there. You can't hide from cameras, you, you know, no. and... Phones Even in Venice Marina, yeah. Venice Marina has a live camera. Yeah. You can sit there and, that's and watch. That's what I'm talking about. They're all live cams, you know. So yeah. I think that's why it yeah. doesn't, you know, go down like it used to. Everybody's more censored now. Right, that's right. Crazy. Which is great. It's calmed a lot of people down. <laughs> saved a Probably. lot. Of, saved a lot of marriages. There's a, a pro and a con there. Yeah, huh? yeah. <laughs> Depends on which end of the spectrum you were on as to whether it's a pro or a con. But I'm I'm pro for it. So yeah. But man, like back to the crew, man. I got a great crew. Hope we stick together um, for a while. We're super makes it excited. more fun too, right? When oh, we yeah. stay with the uh, same crew, man. Yeah, build and, build relationships uh, and experience. Super excited this year having Case on board. Um, we're looking forward to a really good year. New boat. Um, boat caught the fire out of fish last year. Um, you know, for the amount of time we fished and missed, you know, three or four tournaments, but. I gotta say, it's a beautiful boat. Thank you. It's did a, you guys just get the transom redone? Or we that... did. Um, so last year, like I said, when we were trying to get to Biloxi, uh, Monique, um, I'm having a, a brain fart. I was uh, looking at it when I got on. Yeah, Monique like, Richter. Ooh, that's sharp. Um, she foes that. Like that's fake teak. She paints that by hand. All that's done by All hand. That. So is the tow rail out here. Oh uh, man, oh. she's done. She does so many boats, it's incredible. Monique, I'm giving you a throw out. Um, man, she is absolutely phenomenal. She does, we got Yeti cups that she fowed. Really? I mean, man, it's she is unbelievable. I'd like to talk to her one time. Dude, just, yeah, I mean, I, she's easy on the eyes, too. You know, I, I always like to see people that are, like, masters at their she craft. She is a you know master I mean? at her like, craft. Really, like, I'm sure she loves it, too. She I mean, does. She's ate it. She there's no, there's no way that you can be that good at something and not no, like it. I mean, then. she is amazing. So, she fowed the boat last year. The weather was terrible, so we didn't have time to paint the name on, so we put a sticker on there mm-hmm. and come up here and, and did the sea you know fished the seas and made biloxi which the first trip on this boat's the best trip i've ever had in two days offshore we wound up going seven for eight and one third place seven for eight yeah holy moly yeah, should have went eight for eight um so wow. it was fishing that weekend was absolutely insane man it was i think the top boat was 10 for 11 and then another boat caught eight they were eight for eight and we were seven freight. Several boats caught six. It was just the, the most incredible weekend of blue marlin fishing the Gulf of Mexico has seen since I've been alive. It was just absolutely This was awesome. last year? Last year during uh, the Mississippi Gulf Coast Billfish Classic. Yeah. So this year we took the boat back down there um, either right before, right, right after uh, New Year's to get 
the little bit of the hurricane damage done and then she painted she touched up our teak a little or the the faux teak and then she painted the name on so everything back there on that transom is hand painted by hand by monique richter wow she that's is awesome. i mean it she's badass i mean she's phenomenal well i don't know how I'm she sure could tell she's you done a bunch of them, oh huh? my god follow her on her instagram page um and she always gives you like the play-by-play of like step-by-step how she does each boat she's Man, she's done the who's who about like the fish tank. Um, That's cool. Um, uh, you know, it's got to be cool to go walk the docks and stuff and be like, oh yeah, man, she's painted got, on all these things. <laughs> she just got a, a showroom, and in the showroom, she's got a picture like of every transom she's done. I really, mean, it's like it's it's phenomenal, dude. She's like tow rail. She works. She goes to the Viking factory. She does a lot of work for Weaver. What a cool, what a cool line of work to get into because when you're good at something like that, I oh, bet yeah. she could charge whatever the hell she wants. Oh, she, you know, she's not cheap, but she, you know, I, you, that's what you pay. If you want somebody to be good, product. if right. you want somebody to be good, you yep. pay a lot of money for it. What's the old saying? Skilled labor isn't cheap, and cheap yeah. labor isn't skilled. So, Who wants to be really good at something and not get paid for right, it? Right, she is, <laughs> she is phenomenal, man. Anybody looking for any kind of – she'll yeah. foe your mailbox. She foes – um, Yeti coolers, Yeti cups. She can throw anything, man. She can throw your rifle, probably, or really, you know, your phone case. I mean, she's amazing, and she's got. Um, I'm pumping her up, I, you know. <laughs> uh, she does gray faux, like regular teak colored faux, mm-hmm. blue faux teak. I mean, she's got some cool stuff, man. She's That's awesome. Cool, Anybody else you want to give a shout out to before we? No, not really. What kind of fluorocarbon you use? We right, use Seaguar. There you go. And we use some Mamoy, but mainly Seaguar. Seaguar is where it's at. Shout out to Seaguar. Yep. Seaguar yep. definitely takes care of us. <laughs> uh, people ask me all the time, was, was today like a good day? Was it, you know, was right. it average? I'm like, it was a great day. Dude. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what but was it, it to you? That's what matters. How, right. What, what kind of day was it to you? Right. And you I know? think that most people, you know, it's, it's almost just like life. You know, the most important thing in life is, is, you know being happy your family the community around you making sure all your people are doing really well and fishing trips a lot of the same way you know it's about the camaraderie the people you're with and having an experience right you know what i mean and yeah that attitude that you're gonna have a good experience usually you will about it but um Man, was there any other stories you want to share with us? I know we just talked a lot about conservation, so <laughs> it's usually... I mean, man, I could go on and on about stories, but... <laughs> uh, I hear you. Um, well, with that, man, I guess we'll go ahead and end it, end it at that. We've been going for about an hour and a half now, but uh, uh, Patrick, I can't thank you enough for uh, it was fun. letting me have come on the boat and shoot the shit about conservation and listen to some of your stories and one thing i want to say i wanted to add it in in there whenever you were talking about it was um you know <laughs> some of your biggest misses were some of the, some of the best stories a hundred percent you know a lot you know, of you know a how lot it is. of really good stories that have nothing to do with you know how it wound up at the dock or whatnot, you know what I mean? I mean, and some of the most memorable times oh yeah. are those big misses, man. Big misses, I, you I, know. And the way that fish will humble you, um, it's, it's a lot like life. Yeah, just you know, when you I mean, think you have it figured out, a lot of times, you know, you ain't got it. You ain't got it. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And you know, it's you remember a lot of the the like you said, your big catches and things like that. But I remember more of 
like the missed opportunities, the things that I think it's that it gets you going back. Right. You like, know what, what I mean? What could I have you. done? Where? Where? What did I go? What did I do wrong? Or what did we do wrong? And sometimes there's nothing. The story done wrong or right. It's fishing. You're not. If it were that easy, everybody would be. You know, right. it's the it's the times that keep you up at night that right. you remember the most, right. rather 100%. than the times that make you sleep 100%. a lot. <laughs> a thousand percent. I mean, like, you know, the times that you didn't make the right decisions, and you know, should have went here, should have went there. You know, it's. Uh, or like you were thinking about going somewhere and somebody caught the winning fish where you thought you were going to, you know. That's happened a lot of times, you know. You'd be, all right, I'm going to go here. You know, all right, I'm going to start at, you know, the who at. And, you know, you come by a rig or you find a line and you're like, oh, I'm going to start, you know, I'll start here this afternoon, you know, because we leave on a Thursday and mm-hmm. fish half a day, you know, and you want to wind up at such and such. You know, that's what I base everything off of, where I'm going to start on the first full day whether i'm gonna go to greens canyon or if i'm gonna be at mars nurse or the titan or the thunder horse or wherever you know and then you wind up 60 miles from where <laughs> you had planned to go and then you, you know, so-and-so's got on a 600 pounder you know right where you were supposed yeah, to right be where, son of a gun I I down the cop, you know. and then sometimes it works exactly how it's supposed to man if it were like i said if it were easy you know we would it wouldn't be no fun, you know what I mean? That's it what, wouldn't be no fun. That's what drives you, you know, yeah. is figuring out absolutely what you did wrong, what you did right, and how we can get better. <laughs> no doubt. All right, man, well, we'll go ahead and end it with that. And remember, if you ever come to Venice, make sure absolutely. you, you hit me up it. or you're going to do some inshore fishing. Absolutely. I'll take you and your family or whoever you want. For we'll sure, we'd love that. All right, man, thank you. Yes, sir, thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram at Tunatown Talks. Also, if you'd like to book a charter with me, you can do so by visiting our website at mgfishing.com. That's Mexican Gulf website, where you'll find my online booking calendar with all my open dates. And remember, guys, always be safe while out on the water. <laughs>